Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show, we think, is living it out in a new and exciting way. This time on Open Door Policy, we sit down with Matthew Barrett, a young attorney and father of seven who is walking with the Lord and helping his children become joyful missionary disciples. Welcome to the Open Door Policy Studio. Matthew, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you, Father Steve? I'm great. It's great to be here with Matt and you, Danielle. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Are you ready to jump into rapid fire questions? I was born ready. Question number one. What was the coolest article of clothing you had when you were a kid? Uh, My Orlando Magic starter jacket. Mm. (laughs) Look at the stars and you'll find... What was the weirdest food you have ever eaten? Probably black pudding in Ireland. Pudding is chocolate and dessert and sweet. You told me I'm going to have black pudding. Matt, what's your favorite piece of religious art? The Calling of St. Matthew by Caravaggio. Hmm. If your life was made into a movie, uh, what genre would it be and who would play you? Let's go with a 90s Disney sports movie. Um, And I would be played by... Let's go with John C. Riley. Shake and bite. What do you remember about church as a kid? Uh, the music. Um, would you prefer hamburger, pizza, or taco? Definitely tacos. Hmm. Of all the places you've traveled, where would you like to return? Uh, the west coast of Ireland. And what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Do whatever he tells you. Matt, if you had to teach a class, what could you teach a class on? Uh... It'd probably be something uh, legal, so um, I don't know, some business law class, but that wouldn't be as fun, so let's go with like an intro to philosophy class. If you could pick your confirmation saint today, who would you pick? Uh, I would stick with St. Peter, although St. Thomas would be right up there as well. Thomas Aquinas, right? Yes. Okay. Ah, awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. You're welcome. This is great. Can yeah. I jump go, go ahead, back Danielle. into these? But you picked the picture, The Calling of St. Matthew. I did, yeah. So, um... Being a Matthew, uh, <laughs> that was a natural pick for me. And just seeing it around, I think I read somewhere that it's Pope Francis's favorite hmm. um, piece of artwork. Um, Did you know about it for a long time, or have you come to this more recently? No, certainly in, in more recently as an adult. I mean, I didn't know it as a kid, um, you know, probably in my early to mid-20s. Okay. Um, it's just... I just love it. It's, it's you know, if you're not familiar with the piece, you can look it up on Wikipedia or something. But it's just... Um, oh, know, it's very powerful. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's it, the light and the dark and, and, and just, you know, Jesus coming into everyday life. And you're in the middle of your work day. You're in the middle of whatever you're doing. And him just ripping you from that and putting you somewhere else. Yeah. I love, we're the same age we were talking yes, before yeah. uh, we, we started rolling here. We're both we're the 25. Same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I love that you chose a starter jacket. Yeah. So Orlando oh. Magic, what I'm thinking, that? Oh. wait, is that wait, 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 what is a starter <laughs> jacket? Okay. Is, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, It's for the this listeners is, that I'm asking, okay. obviously. No, so like early, mid 90s, I think I was in like six, probably six years old, seven years old. This was one of the... This is probably the first tough decision I ever mm. remember making. Yeah. Because my parents said I could get a starter jacket, and I had to pick between <laughs> the Orlando Magic. I don't remember who I didn't choose, but it was probably like the Charlotte Hornets or something, because that was... Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LJ. Uh, LJ. Yeah. Did you have yeah. one? 
Oh, so we didn't have uh, a starter. We had the knockoff brand, and I had uh, University of Miami Hurricanes oh, one. Okay, but you. I loved like everyone had it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which maybe ties into if your life was made into a movie, it would be a '90s <laughs> Disney sports movie, which is like the kind where. The team is losing, but they get a good pep talk, and the power was inside them all along. They win. is like that kind so, of thing. Yeah. So the Mighty Ducks Mighty come Ducks. Tonight. We're Team USA, gathered from all across America, and we're going to stick together. Sandlot. Everybody gets one chance to do something great. This is your big chance. Rookie of the year. What are you doing out here? Well, what am I supposed to do? Deal from your have to. Cool runnings. Is the best push car driver in all of Jamaica. You're looking at him. Then you got to do it. No. So St. Peter, though, is really your your yeah. guy. Yeah, so he is uh, my confirmation saint, um, and I would stick with him today. Uh, I just love that he's so relatable. I mean, obviously not as Pope, the first Pope, <laughs> and as a saint, but, and but like the rest just, of it. Yeah, just like such a broken, you know, guy who, who uh, screwed up like all of us screw up, and yet he was the rock on which Jesus built his church. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. Yeah, what I love about Peter is, like, his zeal. Like, yeah. there's times when he is just, <laughs> yeah. like, so excited, and then you see times where he is such a, like a coward, time, right? Like, yeah. someone pointed this out to me, and I think it's so funny. It's like, Jesus' resurrection is announced, spoiler alert, I, when this comes out during <laughs> Lent. And they're like, and he's, like, running, but then, like, he doesn't get there first, but he's, like, the first to run, so he, like, ran too fast and, like, got yeah. tired. I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, I feel that. Yeah, that's a big joke in our household my dad is uh his name is peter and so my mom always jabs him in the ribs during that reading because he is also slow (laughs) oh awesome but he has the great you know he he, you know he says you know uh, he's the one who calls jesus god you know and and makes that great the great statement and and it's just such a powerful thing and and you can see him trying and failing but trying again and it's just it's great for, I think, a great example for us. Yeah. Amen. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. This is great. Hey, Matt, we'd love to hear, as we do with all of our guests, like your story of how you became a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, first I would say I think I'm still on my way. I'm certainly yeah. not there yet. Yeah. Uh, we all are. But... Well. Um, <laughs> we just, just Danielle just and I aren't, but Father Steve just maybe. Kidding, yeah. Just kidding. Sorry, um, Matt. Go so, ahead. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a very Catholic household. So my parents were both very uh, devout, um, even going my grandparents, great-grandparents. It, we were just a very Catholic family. Went to a Catholic high school, um, discerning college, and uh, felt between several choices and felt really called and, and ended up at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. um, which was a great experience for me. Just having the Mass and having the Eucharist so present throughout, um, being able to go to daily Mass at 10 p.m. and as a college kid was great, and being able to, you know, just sit in front of the tabernacle when you were having an issue uh, was just wonderful. And And also, you know, growing up with a huge sort of focus on Mary and devotion to Mary. It was just a, it was just a great place to have her on top of the golden dome watching down on us. Um, and that's where I met my wife. I mean, that was 
probably the biggest moment after that in, in my faith development um, because she grew up in a very similar household. So, Was she from Metro Detroit? No, well? no. So she, yeah, she's from uh, southern New Mexico. So a wow. bit of a culture shock there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but w- what was great was we found out despite, you know, southern New Mexico and Metro Detroit, um, so much in common culturally um, at the heart of it. You know, we both grew up very Catholic families. Um, yeah, the universality of the yeah, church, right? Yeah, oh, for sure, exactly, yeah, the, the communion of saints. and So married at 23. Married at 23. Finishing law school. Yeah. Living I, in D.C. No, sorry, back in Michigan. Back so, in Michigan, yeah, so okay. At, at, so where's your faith, you and your wife, your family, Where where's your faith at? Is it still pretty strong at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was... Definitely strong in terms of the sacraments, but again, like probably not always living, you know, trying to have probably a common theme throughout my, uh, of, of my life is where I fall is trying to have a foot in the world and a foot in the faith. That's a constant challenge for me and, and one that um, I hope I'm getting better at. I wouldn't say we were on fire. I mean, we were going to Mass, we were saying rosaries, praying together, but I wouldn't say we, I was, at least I wasn't on fire uh, Moving out west was a huge eye-opener for us. This was like a, a turning point probably in my faith journey. Okay. Um, we moved to Orange County and didn't know, didn't really know anybody. I had interned out there the summer before, so I knew some people I worked with. But we literally pulled up uh, uh, to our apartment sight unseen. You know, we'd signed the papers sight unseen and, and go to Mass the next day, we moved in on a Saturday, go to Max the next day, and out front is this young woman uh, who has two little kids, or one little kid, I guess, hanging on her, and she's starting a mom's group, like a Catholic mom's group, that day. Oh, like, wow. That's, like, the day that she was starting and trying to get people involved. So it was it was so providential, um, and we just fell in with this great group of on-fire Catholics. I had never been in that circle before. Mm-hmm. My faith had always been something that it was kind of like, I think Father Ricardo calls it sometimes like the me and Jesus two-step. Yeah. Like, it was mine. Like, I didn't, I wasn't talking to people. I wasn't engaging in people. These weren't like, like my conversations. Yeah. yeah. And, and this was the first time that I was in a circle of people like this. What would you say was your biggest takeaway from being a part of that community? Wanting to, to bring it back to Detroit because Mm. I didn't feel, and part of this was probably my own ignorance. There probably was, were groups like that, um, that I just either turned a blind eye towards or that, um, I didn't know about. Sure. And wanting to bring something like that back. And my wife was in this great Bible study and, you know, there was, a uh, you know, just, just all these people who were just on fire, who, um, were great examples for my kids, and and we would all hang out together, and we'd, it was it was just it was really special, and um, wanting to bring that back, and and especially, my faith tends to be more in, intellectual, and that's where I can fall short. Is I love the intellectual side of the faith, and and but that can lead you to not bringing it out as much in the world as you should, and um, that's what really I took from that. So coming back, we had all these grand plans of all this, you know, we were going to start all these Bible studies and these groups and whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to start up again and trying to find places to do this. 
and I found the Archdiocese uh, Young Adults page, although I yeah. was really pushing the boundaries of young adults at that time. But um, More adult yeah, than young. Yeah, more adult. Yeah, I was, I was in denial a little bit. But um, I found uh, a new ministry that was starting here, uh, Young Catholic Professionals. So there was a, a national organization that had about 15 chapters uh, around the country. It started in Texas, and uh, they were starting one in Michigan in, in the Archdiocese of Detroit, and they really wanted, uh, they were looking for people to join and help start it. And uh, and it just sounded perfect. The ministry, exactly what they were looking for, and it was just, it was just the most beneficial thing for me because it was, it was just like God shaking me, like, you know, like rattling my cage of like, you know, you said you were going to do all this stuff and, and you sort of haven't. Um, yeah, so you know, so so yeah. getting involved in Young Catholic Professionals YCP yeah. <laughs> was uh, a pretty important step for your own spiritual growth, for your relationship with Christ, and making that yeah. kind of grow. It was the first time that I really took my faith into the public square, kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah. like in a formal way. Um, what what was that like for you as you made that? change was that a little scary was that no it wasn't exciting it was exciting it was exciting and we were it was um it was just a special time here in the archdiocese too because we were starting we had our retreat like our kickoff retreat the week after unleash the gospel came out so it was the Mm. week after pentecost it was so providential the spirit was just so at work and you you couldn't deny it i mean it was just so it was so plain you know coming up on two years of ycp Mm -hmm. what would you say has been like some of the biggest grace that you've experienced yeah so um just seeing um the number of people who've come to events and I think taking something away from it has been powerful. So we put on probably 20 events a year, 15 to 20 events a year, and we average a little over 100 people per event. It's just such a needed ministry, um, and it ties in so perfectly with Unleash the Gospel. Yeah, you know, this makes me think, I feel like we've talked about this a couple of times, Danielle, we go back to some of these themes, it seems Mm -hmm. like, but one of them is like, our faith grows by sharing it with others, right? Yeah. So by taking ownership and yeah. and witnessing to your faith, that's an opportunity for you to grow as well. Just like, you know, anytime we share Jesus with someone, we're doing it to, to give them the greatest gift we have, but it also makes us more fully belong to Christ when we become uh, a missionary disciple for him. And also the importance of that sacred community, like, would you be here if it wasn't for that mom standing outside of that church in California, you know, being like, hey, bring your babies here. Like her faithfulness has fueled a faithfulness in Detroit, you know, like what a beautiful yeah. witness. It's so true. I mean, and God works in such awesome ways of, you know, and you don't always see the fruits. I think that's one of the, the most important things to remember is you're, is you're going out in the world and sharing the faith is you're not you might be sowing, you're not going to be the, you're not going to be reaping, right? right? You might not see it, right? right? Yep. You're not sowing. So to know that because it's happened in my life or it's happened in your life, that you see the benefits from somebody who might not even know what right. they, they did for you, that it gives you faith that the same thing you're trying to do might bear fruit too. And now you're sharing all those benefits with the uh, ODP oh, audience. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks be to God. Yeah, yeah thanks.
my friend, we were talking a little bit earlier about the Unleash the Gospel letter and comparing and contrasting good and bad habits. And we were talking about complaining attitude versus attitude of gratitude. You want to kind of jump in there? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the things that really struck me was, you know, uh, a common temptation in the church today is complain. You know, we don't have Hmm. the same power or prestige we used to. you know, I took that even beyond in other resources. You know, we don't have the, you know, there might not be the same music minister that you mm. like, or you might not have the same whatever. And, right. and people can complain that, you know, this the homily's is, not as good. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Father Steve's, yeah, rambling. I have wow. never, <laughs> I have never yeah. heard anything like this said. We're, just kidding. Yeah, we're I work in a church that has a 300 year history. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's so, I mean, it's so easy in our society today that, I mean, we, we've become, you know, snark has such a place in our culture today, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how people communicate. It's, it's you know, Twitter bashing and, yeah. you know, there's just, it's everywhere and all over social media. It's just sort of how we relate. And, and kind of a way to bond too. Yeah. Like that person bugged me. Oh, they bugged me too. Right. And mm-hmm. th- that's how we find commonality is almost like right. what we, we complain about stuff together or find fault with things together, mm-hmm. which is so unhealthy. Um, especially in the church and well, you know it, it's like the spirit it's the spirit of the world it's yeah. not the spirit of Christ right because yeah. there's plenty to complain about or plenty of imperfections mm-hmm. but to be a disciple of Jesus is to know that the cross is going to be part of our lives absolutely i mean it's if you know if you're not expecting some suffering you're not you're not doing it right you haven't read you know what i mean yeah, scripture read the read gospel Sirach, read <laughs> yeah read anything it's yeah. you know and and the 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 counterbalance to that is is an attitude of gratitude and this is something with my own kids that's really important in our house so, to, so what's the age range for your kids? So again, my man? oldest is 10 and my youngest is six months. Okay. So we have seven. I hate those complaining six months. <laughs> right? Oh, like, gosh. <laughs> like, pick, I have a dirty diaper. Change me. Uh, stop complaining. No. Um, so it is. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's so easy to forget what we have that's good. Everybody's always looking for more and you're never satiated. And obviously, and that's because we're not going to find that except in Christ, right? I mean, it's pretty clear, like you will never find that in the world. And so it's no surprise that the world hasn't found it. But it's just, you know, to have that gratitude puts everything in the way you view things in a different perspective. And, and it lets you approach things with, you know, the right approach and, and really recognize all God's gifts in your life. And it's so huge for kids. How do you cultivate that in a child? A big part of it is, you know, in prayer, like we thank God for different things, right? And so right. sometimes my two-year-old thanks him for hockey sticks, and you know that's yeah. great. And it's you know it's like, hey, more power. You love hitting things with hockey sticks, uh, so thank as God for As long as it's not stick. a sibling. Yeah, well, he, <laughs> that's not. Yeah, that's. Uh, We're bringing a lot of blessings. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I think of uh, just culturally how different we were talking about starter jackets earlier, oh, which yeah. is mm. awesome, and I want to bring this in as many times as possible. But like you had mentioned, going to the store and there were two different kinds and yeah. you're like, okay, I'm going to pick one of these and I'm going to love it, right? Oh, and, it, it's, and now everything is at our fingertips. So like, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to cultivate an attitude of gratitude when like I can get 
on Amazon anything, like oh, anything yeah. Oh, yeah. in two days delivered to my door. Yeah, absolutely. Right? We have, we're flooded with choices, just even in how we communicate with each other. You know, you can find out what's going on all the time, and, and right. you're never satisfied. You're always looking for something more because you can see so much more of what's out there. Yeah. And, and that's just not the approach to have. It's just not. Danielle, how do you think we, just thinking about cultivating that attitude of gratitude, how do we how do, we do that? Have you ever read Anne Voskamp, 1,000 Gifts? And who? Get on my hipster level, friends. <laughs> um, but it's okay. I didn't read the whole thing either. But it's it's about this. It's a really fascinating story about this woman who decided in one year she was going to write down one thousand things that she was grateful for. Mm. Just fascinating to see through that lens. So what I like to do to cultivate a, a spirit of gratitude is just like practice that, like in a day, like, what am I thankful for? And I like to be around people who it comes more naturally to. Like, shout out to Mm -hmm. my friend, Julia. She's so, I love traveling with her. She's an architect, as you know. So we'll be like walking down, like prime example, we went out to brunch, we were leaving brunch and she was like, Danielle, did you notice the tile against the bathroom, that lovely shade of green? And I was like, I did not. This is why I like traveling with you is because you are more apt to see that beauty and respond to it than I am. So I would say like, I like it in my life. I like it in other people's lives so that I can like piggyback off of it. So them modeling it helps you do it. Then I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I love that green. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And that's something we can offer as disciples, right? Is, I mean, we, we need to be bringing all that type of stuff into the world more in, in, right. in our, you know, for me, uh, you know, my, I don't work, uh, for the church, right. I have, mm-hmm. I have a, I'm a yeah. lawyer, I have a different job and I, I, there's so many opportunities to bring in different things, including the spirit of gratitude, you know, into the workplace. And I just think that's such a important ministry today of, you know, just little things that you can do, you know, in the workplace of, of, showing, you know, modeling behavior. And it's not to, you know, I have my bad days too. So it's not that I always succeed at it, but, you know, um, and, and evangelizing through that. I mean, it's, yeah. it, you know, I, I, one of the things that I've found so powerful is, you know, just little acts in the workplace that remind people that you're a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's simple stuff. Like yeah. what? Oh, grace before meals. Mm, like mm-hmm. and when you sit down at a lunch table and everybody just, uh, you know, sits in and you like stop and like close your eyes and bow your head a little bit and make the sign of the cross and say prayers and then finish and then join the conversation. People notice that. Right. You know, it's little, th- you know, it's stupid stuff. It's, you know, saying God bless you when someone sneezes. Yeah. Sometimes people feel so uncomfortable yeah. to do those things. Like people are going to, oh, what do you think you're better than not? Like, I, I cannot think of an occasion where I've heard someone getting uh, a dirty look or thought less of for praying before their meal or for saying, God bless you, or, yeah. you know, just simple acts of being authentic to your faith. Not about being showy, not about no. being pushy. Yeah, absolutely. Being authentic about what it means right. to say, hey, I want to thank God before yeah. my meal or, yeah. you know, this is how I yeah. respond. Do that publicly, sneezes. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and the, the public, you know, but, but it always has to come from a place of authenticity. And I suppose that does evangelize, doesn't it? 
That's, that's I really think it gratitude. does. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's a soft evangelization and it opens the door and it kind of builds a relationship, right? Yeah. And it, it's about you witnessing to who yeah. you are. And also building virtue, right? Because you're building oh, sure. the virtue of like hope and like recognizing beauty yeah. and where it comes from. We always have to bring Christ into everything we do, but we have to do that to, with someone, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like walking around whacking people upside the head. I don't think that works that well. Yeah, I haven't I mean, found that effective. Yeah, I've tried yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you should talk to my 10-year-old. Dude, uh, that into the program. A lot of whacking across the head. Yeah. I think there's a lot here to talk about. I just want to go back to the um, the complaining attitude oh, yeah. aspect, mm. too, because I think that's a great way to evangelize, especially in the work in the workplace, like even in the church, it happens, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. like, really? We are so quick yeah. to complain or to find like why my life is harder mm-hmm. than everyone else's. And, you know, pretty quick to share that with other people too. Uh, to not enter into that yeah. really kind of makes our life a witness to other people. It does. And it's a challenge. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like that's, yeah. that's a real challenge. Like to, <laughs> well, I just think about your example, Danielle, about your friend being yeah. grateful and how attractive that is. Not complaining is attractive. Now, there might be times yeah. when we want to complain and we're repelled from people who, who don't want to hear our complaining. Uh, but most of the time when I think about my life, people who are complaining a lot are not people I want to be around. And those who can endure graciously or even heroically difficulties are people I want to be around. Oh, I, I aspire to be like, and they're just more pleasant to be around. Isn't there a great uh, John Paul II quote of, you know, we are not the sum of our failures, but the, you know, the sum of like, God's, God's love, love for us. us and our ability yeah. to show uh, the identity of Jesus Christ, his son. Yeah. Yeah. I'm preparing a talk with that quote. In yeah. It, so <laughs> yeah. That's how I knew it. Yeah. I, I hear you on that, though. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's one of those things I think in the workplace, I'm, always, I'm big on, um, you know, Virtues between vice, right? There's vice yeah. on either side, yeah. and so you have to, you have to really know yourself to know which side of the virtue you're failing on, so that yeah. you move towards the right way, right? If you're a scrupulous person, like you shouldn't be focusing so much on you know your own brokenness and and where you're falling short because that you're falling on that side. If you're somebody who's, you know, out there, and thinking, you know, not noticing that, then then maybe you do need to pay a little bit more attention to your own shortcomings, but obviously never, uh, never without apart keeping, from Jesus. yeah, because it's mm-hmm. through, like, this is your God and you want, you owe him your life. You owe him, he's everything. So you have to give of yourself of that. And when you fall short, it makes you sad because you're, you're, you're not giving him what his due is, but it, his mercy is always there. Monsignor Dan Trapp would always say the two things that the devil will try to steal from you are your identity and your destiny. So that's what you're speaking mm. into is yeah. like keep your, keeping keeping your eyes focused on Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. And stay rooted in your destiny. Your identity where you came from, yeah. your destiny yeah. where you're going, right. right? And if you don't have that in mind, it's like driving aimlessly without knowing your destination. Spot on. So, Matt, before we close, we, we always ask our guests if there's a, a quote, a prayer, anything they want to share with our listeners as a final word. Love God, follow him, and, and spend time with him discerning his will, and, and go where he leads. Amen. I know Danielle and I had a lot of fun talking with Matt about how we can get rid of our complaining attitudes 
and how we can more fully take on an attitude of gratitude. Be sure to subscribe and like us on iTunes and to bring your friends along for the ride. And if the Holy Spirit has inspired you while listening today, be sure to pass this episode along to someone else who might enjoy it. Open Door Policy was produced at Sacred Heart Major Seminary for the Archdiocese of Detroit. We'd like to thank our creative team, Christine Warner, Ron Pangborn, Paul Duda, Patrick Hodgden, Devin Buston, Patty Maldonado, Naomi Vrezo, Joe Peltier, Epsi Christostomo, and Edmundo Reyes. Join us next time when Father Steve introduces new ways to unleash the gospel. What's your favorite kind of square dancing? I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. Hi, this is Danielle from Open Door Policy, and I wanted to let you know that for season two, we have new social media channels for you to connect and follow Open Door Policy. So be sure to follow at Open Door Detroit on Twitter and Facebook. Tell us what you think of the latest episodes and follow along for the latest updates on all things Open Door Policy. Thanks, friends.